0: Okay, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John, 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 St. Juan, (laughs) John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The day I, I, you know, don't go to sleep, don't go to sleep. This is probably one of the most important that I love the Word, but I do love this scripture. Okay and i believe if you're frustrated with your christian walk and you're going man it just um, sometimes it just doesn't seem to work i want to show you this is this in these few verses is the answer that you need john chapter 15 and uh jennifer is going to can you put it up can you put it up there are you able to okay got it thank you and i've got a couple people uh rosemary is going to read verses uh 1 through 9 and then Betty's going to read verses 10 through 17. Rosemary, uh, can we, let me get the uh, the mic here, if we've got it. I don't see it. So anyway, um, we'll go ahead and read that, if you would. It's up on the screen.
1: I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whether you wish, and I will, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory. Thank you
2: My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other.
0: Amen. The secret that we need to know, not a secret, but it's in the Word of God, that we need to know to be able to walk and be victorious in our Christian walk, or in these particular words from Jesus. Jesus is speaking here. And so if you're frustrated and it seems like, man, this is not working, uh, it seems like just frustration, it seems to be, you know, all all the time. Listen, I want to share with you some thoughts today, just some simple, really, principles that I believe are very important. In verse 16, Jesus talks about his will for our lives, and he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. God designed each and every one of us to be fruitful. And the question is, are we bearing fruit? Are we bearing fruit as we get older, as we walk closely with the Lord over a long period of time, if we walk with him that long? In Galatians chapter 5, the the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the question is, are we more faithful today than we were last year? Are we more peaceful this year than we were last year? Are we loving more this year versus last year? We examine ourselves. We don't do introspection necessarily because we can find all types of issues in our lives. But we ask the Lord that we would bear fruit because it's His will. And one thing in here, actually, the translation in my translation and what's been read is remain in me and I'll remain in you. And the other translation is abide in me as he abides in us. And so abiding in the Lord is really the answer to walking victoriously through the Christian life. And certainly we want the life of Jesus to be expressed through us and in us, his character, his works, his well-being, and lives being impacted by his love flowing through us. And so some things we need to actually come back to as we walk through because through this life. Because actually what happens is, is we begin to either go one of two ways. We begin to get legalistic about our walk with Christ, which means actually you got to do all these commandments. You got to do this and you got to do that. And it's a bunch of do's. Uh, yeses and no's and do's and don'ts and all that. And before long, you get all tangled up. and You're going, I can't adhere to all these things here. and So how can I walk victoriously? The other side of that is actually you just give up. You just sort of give up. And really, in a way, that's what we do. We tell the Lord, you cannot do this because what happens again is you'll fall over and try to live the Christian life in your own strength and you can't do it. It's tiring. You cannot do it. You have to and learn, according to the word here, that you remain in the Lord or abide in him, and I'm going to show you today how we can do that. And so certainly, my first reaction to this is certainly a bit of panic. The works of Jesus, his character, his love flowing through me, transforming people's lives, that sounds like a lot to ask here. And I'm not sure that I can really live up to this and certainly and do what God has called me to do. And again, it's not me doing it. It is a spirit of God within me, but I'm allowing him to do that. How can I love others the way he loves them or demonstrate the fruit of the spirit in my own strength? Again, it's completely impossible. So, if you're tired and weary and you're saying this Christian life, it just doesn't work, well, more than likely, you have moved over into trying to do it in your own strength here. But the good news is I don't have to. All I have to do is allow him, Jesus, to do it through me, which is a completely different matter altogether. And I believe that it will alleviate a whole lot of frustration and Paul makes that distinction talking about in Galatians chapter 5 when he contrasts his, the works of the flesh to the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit here. Now, the works of the flesh are actually bad works. The works of the Spirit are good works, actually. You remember Jesus said, and hold on to this thought in the Scripture and Word, Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. Now, that means anything means anything. You don't have to read the Hebrew or the Greek here. Anything means anything. We cannot do anything. Jesus said, you can do nothing apart from me. Nothing of eternal consequence can you do apart from Jesus. And so we need to keep that in mind because a lot of times we think, well, this sounds like a good idea. And really, it may not be what the Father is doing. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Remember, he got away to pray, and he stayed there, whether or not it be on the hillside or wherever. He got alone to pray to the Father. And it was kind of like he communed with the Father at that time, and he was asking God for instructions. What do I do this day? Remember, he went around the, the, the countryside healing the sick, bringing deliverance, people began to believe in his name. There was a certain number that believed in him and so forth. You didn't see him having to stop, although I believe Jesus prayed all the time continually, certainly. But he got what, he saw what the Father was doing in his time with the Lord, and then he went out and did it. But see, even the church today and all the good things that it does Sometimes I believe that it's doing the religious good things necessarily, and it may not be what we've seen the Father doing. It may be works of the flesh, and it may look good, but it may not be God's best. And certainly when we operate in the flesh, it's sin. But operating in the Spirit, that's where it brings life. And there's something that happens physically, spiritually, and emotionally when that takes place. You can be invigorated by doing that but you've got to do some things here that's spoken of in John chapter 15 that are so important here. Think about it here when you think about the job of a branch here. Jesus said that he is the vine and we are the branches. All the branch does is an extension of the vine here. It doesn't produce life. It just receives life from the vine. It doesn't have to decide what kind of fruit to produce. And as the life of the vine flows through it, it just naturally produces the fruit consistent with what the vine is. The life is in the vine. The vine does it all. The vine extends its roots into the soil and draws the nutrients and the moisture there. And the, wine, the vine sends the sap to the branches so that the fruit can bud forth here. It's, impor- it's It's impossible for a branch to function as the vine. And sometimes we try to function as the vine. And we are the branches. We get it reversed. Jesus is the vine. And even as we saw in the first verse, is that actually the father is the vine dresser. In other words, the gardener. And he comes in and he does some pruning in our lives. He cuts back that fruit and that non-fruit, those things that are not good, and he begins to trim it back in our lives. But he never does it to destroy you and me. He always does it so that we will bear more fruit. It's so important. And even, I believe, next Sunday when we gather, we're talking about koinonia. We're talking about getting to know one another. We're getting to know, obviously, uh, one, love one another. That's what the church is all about. The church house should be an example and a model for what we see happening in society today where we've heard testimonies, we've heard it, we've seen it, where there seems to be just a hatred that's going on. The church should be the place where love is exhibited in a way that that can't be explained by man. Jesus can do that if we remain in him and he in us. So the first thing we see here is Jesus explains our relationship with him. Think about it. Jesus said in verse 1, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener here. He's saying, you are the branches. And why does Jesus consider it so important for these disciples to understand the relationship that he's describing? Why is that? It's because he's getting ready to go to Calvary. He's getting ready to be crucified. He's getting ready to leave them. And he told them, he said, go about and do what I have done by the power of the Spirit. You know, he goes and says, wait in the upper room and so forth. and You'll be endued with power from on high. And he's trying to teach them of how to be successful in fulfilling the call of God in their lives. Now, that's for you and me, to be successful in fulfilling the call of God in our lives. You can't do it in your own strength. It's too much. There's no way you can do it there. And so their natural inclination is certainly either to give up and say it's totally impossible or to try to do it in their own strength. And neither one of these will work at all here. So they've got to learn how to allow God's light to flow through them and let him accomplish his purposes through him. And that's the way Jesus is operated. The life of God through he was obviously deity. He was also a man but he operated in the human side there. And he obviously depended upon his father and the spirit of God to work through him those things that he did, the miracles he did, the life he lived, the love he accepted, He did that. So he would say that you and I can do this because if he was God and did it, you're going, it's impossible for us to do it because we're not God. But he's saying, I'll show you here. I'll live the example, so showing that, that I face the same things y'all faced. I went through what you've been through. I've been through persecutions. I've been through rejection. And I'm going to show you how to live the will of God in spite of all these things here. So here, I believe the certainly um, the greatest source of discouragement and frustration there is we we want to do the right thing. We want to please God. We want to accomplish great things for God and so forth. And we try to live the Christian life, but the problem is that we're trying to live it rather than Jesus living in through us. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Yet it's Jesus who lives within me and I live it by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me and who loved me. It's the life of Jesus in you and I, where anything of eternal consequence will take place. And so somehow we've got to learn how to get and stay in that position to be able to draw from the vine, from Jesus there, whatever it is that we need. And I want to just pray, we need wisdom today. There's a lot of deception that's going on. We need wisdom. We need discernment that's going on. And the only way that that can happen is to stay closely connected to Jesus there. And so perhaps some have how actually learned a measure of dependence because really you get down to it and it's our dependency upon the Lord. How dependent on the Lord are you today? Are you totally dependent on the Lord? We all have a measure of dependency upon the Lord. Trust me, we're here. We wouldn't obviously come to church if we did not. But when I was doing hospice, one of the things that, that I learned in people's lives there, in many people's lives, they were Christians, but as they began to die and began to uh, change as far as their, their status is concerned and so forth, the control issue came to the forefront. In other words, some people who were bed bound, so to speak, and, or it actually happened, they were bed bound, and, and they have a bedside table, and, and you would put the water on the table. And sometimes family, obviously well meaning, would take the water and take it and, and want to give it to them, and they would push them away and tell them to put the glass of water down. And they would pick that glass of water up and do it themselves. Why, I believe, it's because they were losing every sense of of, uh, of control that they had. They were losing control, and they wanted to maintain as much control as possible there. They would go ahead. I say today, and I looked at that, and I pondered that over the years, and I, I thought, I'm going, you know what? We're not in control at all. We think we are, and there are things that we need to rightfully do, right? But we're really not in control. I could have a heart attack right now and go out. You could have a heart attack. You could leave right now. We're not in control. And I believe in one way or another, that transfers into the sense of our dependency upon God. And then I went in, sometimes the old saints that had walked closely with the Lord all their lives, and I want to tell you, they were totally at peace. There was not a control issue. They realized they were totally dependent upon God, and whatever was going to happen, and they were totally at peace. And so when we look at this in, in whatever we do for the Lord or how we walk with the Lord, we've got to realize we are dependent upon the Lord. And Jesus was trying to teach the disciples this here. But the question is, and we would say, that's right, Jim, that's right here. Yeah, I realize I'm the branch and so forth. But let me ask you this. Does your prayer life reflect that? Does your walk, your responses to the trials of life reflect that? How do I invest my time and energy? Really, does it say that I can somehow do things in my own strength? Jesus obviously had to get along with the Father. We do too. Jesus had to pray. We do too. Jesus had to depend upon the upon Father. We do too. And so, really, we need to examine ourselves. Where are we in that? Because, really, it is, in one word, dependency here. My life is certainly simply an extension of his life. We need to understand that. In contrast to what Jesus is teaching here, most of us try to live our lives as if we were the vines, and Jesus is somehow attached to us. Somehow, a little bit. Well, you know, I have this faith, and I believe Jesus is, is Lord, and he's Messiah, and he, he came for, to provide salvation for the world, and so forth. And I've kind of let him have, you know, this part of my life or whatever. But when it really gets down to it, do we trust and obey? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That old hymn says it all, doesn't it? Do we really trust Him? Are we really dependent? Are we really the branch? Or we've made ourselves into the vine, so to speak? I believe a lot of times we reverse roles here. I'm dependent upon the Father as the vine dresser to prune the things in my life that obviously are robbing me of the fruitfulness. He comes in. Sometimes it's painful. He gives grace in the midst of that. Now, Sometimes it seems like we're bearing fruit, doesn't it? It seems like, man, I'm just loving everybody. It seems like the ministry is going well. It seems like, man, life is just kind of going along, scooting along great and so forth and all of this. But sometimes it's like life, what happened? It seems like nothing's happening. You're not making any difference as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. You're not advancing things in the kingdom anymore. What has happened at that time? It could be that God is pruning you, not to destroy you, but to make and bring forth and to bear more fruit there. And so if that's you today, and you're going, what is going on? I want to tell you, be encouraged too. Because he says in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, and and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. If you're not being disciplined and you're not obviously sometimes uh, kind of questioning what is going on here, then obviously you may not, and the word is regeneration, what Jerry used in Sunday school, you may not be regenerated. You may not be born again. You may not be saved because he says if you're a son or daughter of him, you will be dismal, You will be pruned because he has called us to bear much fruit. To be able to do that, you've got to stay close with him. And Jesus did say, I can only do what I see the father doing. And and Jesus got away, and, and he, before he went out to ministry, and Jesus said, you can do nothing apart from me, nothing of eternal consequence here. Certainly in verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Have you been born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God? Has God's word found place in your heart and led you to commit yourself to Jesus as Lord and Savior? If so, then you're already in Christ. You are in this life-giving relationship that Jesus illustrates here when he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. So he had to explain the relationship. The second thing here is, and to be able here to do this, is one thing to do, and that is to remain in me. He says this, don't leave. Let me give you an example. He says, imagine putting a young child on a flight from Houston to Los Angeles. The American Airlines flight has a brief stop in Dallas, but then goes from there nonstop to Los Angeles. You've made all the arrangements for the child to have a safe, successful trip. Family members will be waiting in Los Angeles Airport to receive the child back home safely. You've arranged for the airline stewardess to walk the child to them when they arrive in Los Angeles. You've gotten approval for the child to just stay in his seat in Dallas. Now, as you take the child to the airport, you have only one message for him. Remain in the plane, right? Everything is taken care of. All you have to do is to remain in your seat. One thing he's saying here until you arrive at your destination. And that's what Jesus is saying to those disciples. I've gotten you on board with me. Don't get off the plane in Dallas. Just remain there and I will get you home safely. Doesn't that make sense? (laughs) Remain on the plane, remain in Him. Stay close, isn't that simple, isn't it? But man, we make the Christian walk complicated, and we try to get frustrated here in Hebrews ten it says, So do not throw away your confidence; it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised for in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Remaining in Christ actually means to remain in his love. In verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. What does that mean here? Does it mean that Christ may stop loving us? No, he doesn't. He loves us unconditionally. He'll love us throughout eternity. He loves you and me. Like, I mean, we can't understand that type of love. But by our disobedience, we can remove ourselves from the benefits of his love. We grieve the Holy Spirit and we disobey him and all. Remember the prodigal son? He wandered away. He squandered the whole, all of his wealth. He wandered away and actually got down, I mean, really bad till he wanted to eat the pods that the pigs ate and so forth. And he came to his senses, it says, the Bible says, And he thought, he goes, maybe my father will let me come back and I'll even stay in the servant's quarters. And he turned and we know the father was waiting for him. You see, the father's waiting for a lot of people today to turn, to come to their senses and realize their need of Jesus in their lives. A lot of people, God, father is waiting. It's the only thing that was, I believe, frustrating to the father. He had to wait. He will not violate our wills. He will wait and wait. We make the choice. It is Arminianism. I cannot understand Calvinism, okay? <laughs> We're predestined to be sons of God, obviously, be conformed to his image, obviously, Romans chapter 8. But we make choices. There is a choice that we make, and we make it, obviously, one another. Day. Now, God's spirit, he, he knocks on our heart's door. He, he begins to woo us and so forth. But we can say no. We can say, no, take your hands off, and so forth. The prodigal son came to a senses and started, and you know the celebration that took place there, certainly. In Jude, verse 20, But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep yourself in His love. Remaining in Christ means to obey His commandments there. Obey what Jesus has said here. God knows because a lot of times we ignore the boundaries and commandments in the word of God and we want to do whatever we want to do and that's called rebellion. That is disobedience to the Lord. John 15, 10 says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And he continues to link obedience with love. The two go together. And here's the key to remaining. It's obeying Jesus. He said, if you obey, you will remain. What happens when I disobey again? You grieve the spirit. You block his flow here. You need to come back and confess your sins to the Lord and be restored. And obviously in that fellowship, you don't lose your salvation. You just lose the fellowship. And we want that fellowship with the Lord. So we see here the third thing. And then we get a reward, the wonderful reward here in verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete here. And how does that happen? It happens by being intimate with Jesus in a relationship. It is a relationship. It is not a religion necessarily. Yes, it's Christianity is that religion, but it is a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, an intimacy with him. Every day. One day we will face him face to face. We shall see him as he is. And we want to we wanna begin that. We wanna know him now. Paul says, I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection and to share and fellowship any of your sufferings. I want to know you. We want to know Christ in that way because he is our reward. And he says in verse 12, My command is this: love each other as I have loved you love each other, how can we do that certainly and abide in His love by allowing the love of the Spirit of the Lord in and through us, the love through us, and let that love abound in our hearts today by being obedient, by drawing close to him, by having him as Lord of our lives, having him first place, putting our priorities in place and allow those things to be there in our lives on a continual basis, not just once in a while, but every day, every moment of every day. Jesus says this, listen to this. Anybody catch it here in what church you're in? He says those who remain in him are his friends. (laughs) Anybody ever heard of the friends denomination? I think I heard of the the denomination somewhere back then, somebody. The friends, he said, you remain my love. You do what I tell you to do. You are my friend. He said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you my friends. Abraham was a friend of God. I believe David, obviously. uh, he He wasn't perfect. Neither was Abraham. Abraham didn't pass all the tests that God put him through, did he? But he was faithful. He hung in there. He had faith. And I believe, uh, like Moses, he saw him who was invisible. And he was able to endure and persevere, certainly. And so we see here is Jesus links his friendship with obedience again. You're my friends if you do what I commanded you. And so if you remain in me, that means we are obedient to the Lord. We stay in the realm of his will for our lives. We stay in vital fellowship with him. And he says, my words remain in you here. And he says, when all this takes place and God's word becomes engrafted in our hearts, we start thinking right, we start praying right, we start doing right according to the will of the Father. And then he goes on to say, and he said, if you remain in me and I remain in you, then you can ask for whatever you want to according to my will. Why is that? It's a lot of prosperity preaching out there today. And they just say it's a name it, claim it type of thing. It's not a name it, claim it. It's being so entwined and having the word of God so deep down in your heart. Those prosperity teachers just say, go out and just do it and kind of ignore this. You go, you want the will of God. You know the will of God that you can pray back to the father what originated in heaven because the prayers that get answered, they originate from the heart of God in heaven to us and we pray back to him, his will. That's why he says you can ask for because you're so entwined with the will of God. You will know the will of God and you will pray in his will. And whatever you ask for, it shall be done. Jesus was that way, wasn't he? He knew exactly what the will of the Father was. The issue with us many times is that we obviously want to do what we want to do. And we'll put, sprinkle a little bit of religion in there with it, Right? And we have a little bit of dependency in there and so forth. When he says, you can do nothing apart from me. You're totally dependent upon me. Remain in me. Don't get off the plane. Stay in your seat. There's going to be a transfer shortly, but stay in your seat. Amen? Stay in your seat. Jesus is calling us that to do that. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus to trust and obey. Oh, man, I think I could stand up here Sunday after Sunday, and I mentioned this to you, and I could say trust and obey. That sums it up, doesn't it? You go, well, Jim, why didn't you start out like that and we could have gotten home a lot earlier? (laughs) Because because I like talking before a crowd. (laughs) No, not at all. That's not right, you know that. It's because when the Word of God goes forth, it doesn't return void. And God speaks to each person here real personally and what they need. And whatever that may be, God speaks, okay? We've read that. The Word of God is so powerful and so awesome. You're talking about that. Does this make sense today? Abiding in Christ, remaining in me, obeying Him. Not kind of making it up as you go, trusting the Lord, putting your faith in Him. And that... Takes place not necessarily once a year. You know, some people come to church on Christmas, you know, around that time. I'm talking about every day. It's a lifestyle. It's staying in communion. Old friends, saints would say that communion with the Holy Spirit. You knew what the heart of God was because you know when He calls us friends. What He does is He shares some intimate, de- some intimate things on His heart for us. Okay, He'll share things with you. When you're so intimate with Him and you're so in love with Him, He'll share you some, with you some things. But if you're not going to obey Him, why does He wanna, Why does He need to share them to, for you or, or to you? Why is that? You abide in Him. Andrew Murray wrote a book uh, in probably late 1800s, and I read it many years ago. Abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ, the same thing. Abiding in Him, He abiding in us. Staying connected to the vine. Remember, if you're frustrated, just say, Lord, I can't do this. Just give up and say, let me get in my right position as being a branch. I want to be connected to you. And that takes place through our prayers, the study of the word, getting into the word of God. The word of God just reveals when I get into the word like that, they're like, wow, this, this, is, this is good stuff. Just get into the word and let the word of God get so engrafted into your heart that you'll be able to pray the will of the Father. We're not just praying some type of empty prayers. We want to pray in God's will, right? We want to be able to pray what's on the heart of God for situations and, and whatever it may be. We need to do that, okay? doesn't mean that we don't pray and talk to him and certain things. He loves to hear his children, but I'm talking about when you get down to it, the bottom line is we need to pray back to the Father when he's already initiated. Wonderful thing about that, he does it very freely. Now, if you feel like that you need to to some hope. I want to share with you. Paul was on a shipwreck, Acts chapter 27. He was, he was shipwrecked and, and all that. and oh, But you know what? We have an anchor. His name is Jesus and it holds. So whatever you're going through today, the anchor of Jesus holds in your life. Let me tell you, he'll never let you go. He'll never let you go at all. But there are a couple, couple things I want to mention. First of all, anchor into God. God is omnipotent, omniscient, and I'm not present. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you will face. He's already in tomorrow, already making a way. Next week, the rest of your life, he has a plan for your life. He has a destiny he wants you to fulfill. Make sure faith is anchored. The second thing here is, is faith. you got to exercise. you got to walk. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, can't please. you got to have faith. Trust him. Just step out. If he tells you to do something, be obedient. Don't say, I'm going to do it my way. I want to do it God's way, okay? The third thing is, is the local church. You know why a lot of people become shipwrecked? because they're not in church. Their lives are shipwrecked. The local church is an anchor because we can stir one another's faith, right? You're here. Some people can't go to church, and I'm not in any way legalistic about that. They can have it, but I'm talking about if you're able to go, get in the local church. The fourth thing is, is the word of God. Get in the Word of God. Believe what God says. Don't try to twist and turn it and so forth. Just believe what God said. Let the Spirit of God speak to you, because God is good. Amen. 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 Abiding. I love it. <laughs> remaining in Him. And He remaining in us. Can't live Christian life apart from it, because what we do, we think we're the vine. We're not the vine. You know, people say, "Well, Jim, certainly I know that because I know I'm not God." But sometimes, you know, you get down deep and you start delving a little bit and actually what's happening is we act like we are God. We are not God. But we need to stay engrafted and in love with Him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Uh, it's so rich. I love you, Lord. Just we love you. We praise you. There's no one like you. And oh God, we blow it and blow it and blow it and blow it. But yet, we just come back here today. And I pray for every person here today that they would truly just, it'd be a, a revival in their hearts. I pray for this church for revival. I pray for the, the nation for revival. We all pray together because we need you, Lord. And we are not the vine, we're the branch. And if you're doing some pruning in here today, Father, I just ask you, give grace. I know you will. But give grace and, and help us to see that you're not going to destroy us. You just want us to bear more fruit. Be more loving, more kind, more patient, more long-suffering, more compassionate. Whatever it may be, you're always doing it for our good. Since God is for us, who can be against us? He who gave his only son, how much more will he give us all things? And dear God, we are looking to you. I ask you to bless this congregation, bless every person here. And uh, we just pray. Your love will abound in our hearts as we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.